You're listening to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can follow along with today's episode using the show notes at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode number 21 of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. My name is Scott Worthington. I have the privilege of leading alongside Pastor Vance here at Hope Church in Las Vegas. Uh, hope you're enjoying your fall. Officially kicked off the fall. We're here in September. And of course, I'm sitting down here with the man of the hour, the man, the myth, the pastor, <laughs> Vance Pittman. What's up, man? I never know what you're going to say when you begin that. It's always uh, uh, unnerving for me as you release that part of it. But I don't really know what I'm going to say either, <laughs> usually. So. I can usually tell by the look in your eye. So we have uh, we have a guest today, Vance. We do have a guest. A very special guest who has been itching with everything in him to be on the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, but we are sitting down today with uh, the executive pastor of Hope Church, um, the man, the myth, the true legend, Travis Ogle. Travis, what's going on, man? I feel like I'm sitting in the midst of podcast greatness <laughs> right now. What's up, man? Good to be here. Uh, that's awesome. That speaks to your lack of uh, exploration in the podcast world, if you think this is excellence, no doubt about it. So, Vance, give us a little background. You've kind of mentioned on a couple different episodes leading up to this one uh, that we are going to have Travis on. Give us some thought behind why Why is Travis sitting down with us, kind of, kind of lead us up, tee us off today. Yeah, this is a podcast that I'm super excited about for our listeners because um, when we started Hope Church, we always had a process in place where we tried to, on an annual basis, uh, hear from the Lord about where we were going the next year, um, establishing a budget and a calendar and that kind of stuff, and which, you know, many churches, most churches probably have at least some semblance of a process to plan for the coming year. Um, but as God brought Travis on our team, it's a really neat story. Um, Travis actually came out here as a senior in high school on a mission trip to Las Vegas when the Hope Church was still meeting in my living room, and that's when I first met Travis. And over time, we developed a relationship. God wound up calling him out here to be our student pastor. And then through the years, Travis has had just about every job on our staff team other than leading worship. And now he serves as our senior executive pastor and really, in a lot of ways, like a co-pastor with me um, in bringing leadership and execution to the overall strategy of our church. And one of the biggest fingerprints in Hope Church's ministry of Travis is this, uh, he took the the framework of a really loose, laid-back uh, annual strategic planning process, and I believe has created one of the most Christ-honoring, uh, team-unifying, mission-aligned strategic planning processes that I've ever seen in the life of a church. And it's one of the things that makes, I think, um, our church what it is today. And so I think this is going to be super helpful for those that are listening to be able to take away. We've mentioned it several times on different podcasts, but I just think there's a lot of gold in what we're about to talk about that would be great for everyone involved in church leadership. But listen, if you're not a leader in in the world of church, there's still going to be some incredible practical takeaways for you in whatever field you see yourself as a leader in. Yeah, I've uh, I've been able to 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 
be on Travis's team for, for many years now. So like Vance said, if you're in a church setting, this is going to be amazing for you, but also in any leadership setting, Travis's mind just works in a certain way that's just going to be super, super helpful for any leader listening. So Travis, we've talked enough. I want to jump right in. We're going to just kind of really look at a few big questions today when it comes to a strategic ministry planning process. The first one, just to kind of tee us off and get you kind of speaking into this is why do we engage in a process like this? Why would a church or a ministry or an organization, why even begin a process like this? Well, for us, there are several reasons that our strategic ministry planning process is major over the course of the year for us. And the first one is because we believe we are stewards of our ministry platform. You know, a steward is someone who takes care of something that belongs to someone else. They oversee it, they protect it, they care for it. Uh, They care for what's been entrusted to them. And so we believe that we are stewards of the ministry platform that God's given us. Uh, Andy Stanley made a statement. He said, leadership is a stewardship. It's temporary and you're accountable. And we really believe that we're all not going to be here leading at Hope Church forever, but for this season that God has placed us here, we are stewards of the ministry platform that he's given us. And when you steward something, what you're stewarding is precious. You take care of it, you give time to it, you give emphasis to it. And so that's really the first reason that we Uh, walk through this process because we believe we are stewards and we want to steward this ministry well. Yeah. And, you know, when Travis says there, Scott, that this is a major piece of what we do, I mean, Travis, correct me, but it's about a four to five month process that our team walks through. Now, it's not dominating their daily schedule for four to five months, but the whole thing runs four to five months in the life of our church. And it's really driven, first of all, by this thing of stewardship. And there's a verse of Scripture that, that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where he says we're to take precautions so that no one will discredit us in our administration of this generous gift. For we have regard for what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of all men. And in that verse, he's talking specifically about uh, an offering that was given being a steward of that offering and doing it in such a way that it honors not only the sight of men, but it honors the Lord. But we're talking about the entire ministry that God's given us here at Hope Church. Really, it doesn't belong to us. And even though God called some of us to be about starting it, ultimately, it's going to continue long after we're off the scene. And we have a responsibility right now to steward that which belongs to God in such a way Uh, that it brings him glory and is honorable in the sight of all men. So I so appreciate the heart of that. Yeah, we're just continually asking ourselves, how can we get better? How can we develop? We've not arrived yet. And as stewards of this thing that God's entrusted to us, we're continually seeking just to develop and to grow as stewards. Another reason that we engage— Well, and Travis, even before you leave that, I want to say this. You you just said something that I think is super important. We do want to always get better. Um, But one of the things that I find interesting today in the life of church, a lot of churches are always talking about excellence, excellence. We want to be excellent. And when we say, and when you say, and this is what I so appreciate about your heart, we're not trying to get better for the sake of just pure excellence. We're trying to get better because this belongs to God. And we want to continue to implement best practices because we're stewarding that which he's entrusted to us. So this is not a pursuit of excellence as much as it's an act of worship 
to the God that's given this to us and entrusted it to us. So yeah, go ahead with the second one, but I just thought that was super important. No, that's good. So the second reason that we engage in this process is because we seek as a team, as a staff, to align around a common vision frame. Uh, Will Mancini developed a tool called the the vision frame that really clarifies mission, values, strategy, and measures. And we have embraced that as a church, as a tool to help us clarify our vision and where we're going. A man by the name of Mark Miller said this. He said, if you don't tell the people in your organization what's important, they will guess and they may guess wrong. Mm. And so we use this tool of the vision frame in the life of our church to clarify for our team, hey, this is what's important as it relates to our mission, our values, our strategy, as well as our measures. And you guys know this, but the natural tendency is to drift away from simplicity, focus, and those things. And so as we walk through this process each year, what it allows us to do is to realign around what matters most in the life of our church. And I would say to our listeners, hang on to the end of this because we're going to give you a really practical tool and some filters. And we're going to go back and talk more about this issue of alignment that is so super important. And also for our listeners, Travis mentioned Will Mancini. If you're not familiar with that language of the vision frame, there's a book that he wrote called The Church Unique. And in that book, and Scott can put this in the show notes, he unpacks this idea of the vision frame. And I think it's super helpful for any organization. Yeah, so it provides for us a common language, a common focus, a common tool to continually be asking the question, are we all aligned and going in the same direction? And then the third and final reason that we engage here in a ministry planning process is because we seek to lead as a team. Vance, the the culture you've created here is not a culture that just waits for you to come out of your office and give direction. You really push the keys across the table and tell the team that we have to seek the heart of God, ask hard questions, evaluate, um, put together a plan that can accomplish the ministry that God's called us to. And that's really, it's, it's a biblical principle. One of the verses I love is in Proverbs chapter 12, which says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. And Vance, it was actually, for me personally, a series that you taught in um, the book of Proverbs in 2007 that really taught me this principle of seeking counsel and this importance of team leadership. Yeah, you see team leadership throughout Scripture, uh, and what you're referring to out of Proverbs, I've shared this in our podcast before, but I'll give it to you again. There are three things that just kind of drive, I think we just talked about this maybe in our last podcast, but this idea of my perspective is always limited, my input is never enough, and my flesh is always deceitful. So for those three reasons, it's imperative that I'm involving others. And then you also see it in the life of Paul in the New Testament. Every time you see the word Paul in the New Testament, the word that follows it is almost always and. It's always Paul and Luke, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Timothy. Paul lived out team leadership. Jesus, as he modeled leadership, much of what he accomplished, he did through the disciples. And so I so appreciate, Travis, you're leaning into this principle and leading us as a team to collectively hear God together and lead out as a team. So, Scott, the simple answer to your question is the reason we engage is our passion for stewardship, alignment, and then team leadership. That's awesome. And I hope you see why this is such a big deal. But to kind of continue our conversation here, I want to throw out to you guys Everyone's going to be hearing this. I guess we're, you know, 11 minutes in thinking, yes, that's awesome. 
why would a church or an organization or a ministry, why would they not do this? Well, and Travis, I'm going to let you answer this question because over the last few years, as I've talked about this process, as I've traveled across the country, we've had a number of churches and organizations reach out and want to learn from this. And you've had the opportunity to coach and walk with several churches and ministries that have implemented this process. And what have you discovered and in, in why churches would not do something like this? Well, there's always a myriad of excuses, obstacles that you know, people share, but I do think there's a few that are common. One of those would be, um, I don't have the margin to engage in a process like this. Mm. Uh, I'm too busy. I'm overworked. I'm tired. And so really what we're talking about in a ministry planning process is another level. And I just literally don't have the time in the week, the month, the year to engage in a process like this. Another kind of common obstacle that I hear from different ministry leaders is, Honestly, they don't have vision. Like they're thinking about what am I preaching on Sunday, not what is the long-term direction of my church, either on an annual basis, five years or 10 years. And so they've not really set aside the time to determine here's the direction we're going in. And so I don't even know how to put together a plan if I don't know where I'm going in the future. And then one other common excuse that I hear from some leaders is they don't have a process. They don't have a way to go about this that makes sense to them and is realistic regardless of church size or church context. And so a lack of vision, a lack of margin, and then a lack of process have been some of the common obstacles I've heard from ministry leaders about why they wouldn't engage in something like this. That really helps us kind of segue into our next part of this is is the process. You know, we talked about why we do this. We talked about some common excuses of why people wouldn't do this. And now for the remainder of our time, we just want to, we want to look at a really practical way of how. Let's look at some steps. How, if somebody's like, okay, I'm in, you got my attention. How do I do this? Because currently I don't have a process. So I think there's a, there's a key principle that a ministry leader or leader in general must embrace if engaging in something like this is going to be effective. And it's this, establishing a rhythm of working on ministry as well as in ministry. Establishing a rhythm, a lifestyle rhythm, a leadership rhythm of working both on it as well as in it. Most ministry leaders across the nation and across the world only live in it. They're navigating the day-to-day. They're putting out fires. They're navigating Sunday or small groups or whatever it may be, and that's where they spend the majority of their time. What we're referring to here with a strategic ministry planning process is something that is above that. It's pulling out of the day-to-day and thinking, where are we headed months and years from now? So until a ministry leader or leader in general would embrace that rhythm— this is not going to be effective. So I think if you want to talk about this in terms of ingredients, the first and most pivotal part of it is the sacrifice or willingness to establish a a rhythm of working on ministry and in ministry. And Vance, I think, you know, you and I have established a pretty good rhythm in terms of carving out days that would be higher level, blue sky, talking about those bigger priorities, not what's coming up tomorrow. And so that's actually something that I think you model for us really well 
in this context? Well, I think you, you said it extremely well in this idea of establishing the rhythm because we all know that ministry, the demands of ministry are always immediate. And by that, I mean there are always people in crisis. There are always needs to be met. There are always lost people to be reached. There are always nations to be impacted. The, the demand of ministry is immediate. And so if you just wake up today and just jump in ministry, you're always dealing with the immediate, what's in front of you. But there's also a long-term call that God's placed on our life and a long-term mission that God is accomplishing in the world. And we need to establish uh, the discipline in our lives to build time. It gets to that, that excuse that you mentioned about margin. If you don't build into your rhythm the margin to think about long-term planning and long-term how we're engaging in this, the immediate will always consume the schedule. So I think you're right. That's a, that's a huge key ingredient. And so we coach our team as they think about walking through this process that they don't need to carve out one hour a day to think macro and then the following hour be something that's micro. We tell our team, you need to set aside full days, retreats, larger, lengthy conversations to be focused on working on it and not just working in it. And as a guy who's in ministry, that is such a struggle. It's so hard because the fire in front of you, um, it's raging and everything in you wants to deal with it, but you are serving your church well when you choose to um, passionately guard your time in such a way because if you're not working on it, no one else is. That is the role of the leader in a ministry or organization. And so we tell our teams, don't think about this in terms of hour blocks of time. This is days and weeks and months put together to think at the highest level, establishing this rhythm of working on it and not just working in it. And, and let me give you a for example, because I know some of our listeners may be hearing this and going, okay, well, practically what does that mean? So here's an example. Every two months, uh, my admin and Travis, yours, they, they work together to put on our on our schedule. And this can be done whether or not you have a, an administrative support or not. But we just put on our schedule. It's on my calendar right now what's called a blue sky day. Um, and when we put them on the calendar, oftentimes we don't even have a clue what we're going to be talking about on those days. But if you don't build in the rhythm to have a blue sky day where we're just going to dream, we're going to pray, we're going to vision, we're going to think about the, the structure, the big picture, where we're going. If you don't build in the rhythm, in the immediate, there's never time for blue sky. But when you build that into the rhythm of your life, you wind up having over the course of a year about a week's worth of time that we've just set aside just to think big picture, to think where we're going. So that's a practical example of how to build this into your rhythm. Well, and as a leader, what you do in those meetings of working on it ultimately should dictate what it looks like when you're working in it. 100%. Because otherwise, you're just, like I said, going back and forth with whatever the next fire is or the next issue. And so that's the first thing I would say is that is critical. And without that, all these other things are cheapened. So establish a rhythm as a leader of working on it, not just working in it. So, so then what's the second ingredient, Travis? Because this is the one I think you bring incredible clarity to for us and, and how you go about it. So what would be the second ingredient? Well, when you challenge your team to say, hey, we're going to begin a ministry planning process that's really going to shape you know years down the road for us, you have to establish a clear objective for them. 
Because just to say, hey, I need you to go build a ministry plan, that's too vague. It's too general. And people, people don't necessarily know how to process through it or walk through it. So for us, here's what I tell our team. We're engaging in this process, and the goal is really threefold. We want to establish what are our objectives going to be as we move into a new year as it relates to our mission. What are the three to five things you're going to be looking to engage in to move the needle as it relates to our mission in the next year? The second part of kind of that goal is to build a ministry calendar. Once we determine, hey, these are our big objectives for the upcoming year that we're going to be moving into, how does that affect the calendar? And how does that look practically from a weekend, week out basis in terms of strategic events, environments, or gatherings that are going to help us move the needle once again as it relates to our mission? And then the third section of this is uh, a financial plan. How do you put together, together a budget? that really fuels the objectives and the focus that you have as it relates to your your ministry plan. I think it's really cool when you think about these two first two ingredients that we talked about. If you're not doing number one, right, working on ministry instead of in ministry, there's no way you're going to turn around and bust out goals and calendar and budget for the next upcoming year. There's just, you're, you're going to be like, I don't have time. You know, you're back to the excuses. And so, Again, if you're asking the question right now, how do I do this? Hear these things, a rhythm of working on ministry and, and, and in ministry, and then having a clear objective for your team, uh, showing them what it looks like to map out goals and calendar and budget. And I've been a part of this process now for, I don't know, seven or eight years since we started it. And it's just been really helpful for me and my team to see those things. Um, so I hope if you're listening to this, you're also seeing how, how clear, clarifying this can be for your team. Well, and that leads us to what we would call, I guess, the third ingredient in the process, uh, and that's establishing the right structure for your team. Um, and Travis, what would you say before we, because what we want to do here is now we want to give you this tool. I want to, I want us to talk through with the way, way we implement the structure here at Hope, what works for us. And as you listen to this, I mean, you may hear this one and go, man, that's it. You may need to tweak it. You may need to add something to it for your particular context. But, Travis, what would you say before we introduce our, our structure? Well, I would say, you know, I tell our team that good people using bad systems will never produce good results. But average people using good systems can produce great results. So I think this, like you said, this is the system that we've installed here as a way to practically flesh this out, to take something that is a general idea and make it very specific so that for a, for a five to six month period of time in the life of our team, they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing that's going to result in a strategic ministry plan as we move into a new year. And so what we did here at Hope, Travis and I working together, established a four-fold filter for our ministry planning process. Everything that our process is about runs through these four filters. And so let's wrap up today by giving them these four filters. Travis, why don't you get us started here? So we start every May as a team, and we challenge our team to spend three to four weeks simply praying. We give out a prayer guide, and our team navigates through a period of time, not talking logistics or evaluating. They're simply seeking the heart of God as a team. And then from there, we move into a few months that are about hard questions, evaluation, 
research, looking at every aspect of our ministry to say, are we approaching this in the right way? And then in September of each year, we lead into a time where each ministry area comes and they do a presentation, Vance, for you and I, where they basically share, hey, I've sought the heart of God. I've asked some really, really hard questions. I believe I've reached a place of clarity about what my ministry plan is supposed to look like in the next year. And what we tell our team is, when you come and present, there's a lot of flexibility. But there are four things that we want to be true of every ministry plan that exists in the life of our church. So the first one is we want every ministry plan to be God-initiated. We want to know that our team has sought the heart of God together. We had a staff meeting today, and I told our team, all of your skill and experience is pointless if you are not being led by the Spirit of God. So as our team presents their plan to us, we really want to sense that they've been with Jesus, Mm. that they've sought the heart of God and heard from Him because we want this not just to be a strategic process. We want this to be a Spirit-led process if we're really going to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in terms of what He's doing in the life of our church. So that's the first one. Well, and I think this is so important in our day because we're living in the day in the church in America where everybody just looks to another church to see what they're doing, the latest book, the latest program, the latest initiative, and they just grab that. And because it works somewhere else, they're going to implement that in the life of our church. And what you wind up with is a church that's got a thousand things going on, but they're not really accomplishing the real mission. And so at Hope, we've tried to be super sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. And so if you if you happen to visit our church, there's a whole lot of stuff a lot of other churches do. We simply do not do. We don't have those ministries, those platforms, those things, because we really try to push our team to say, what is God saying? We believe if something works, it works because God initiated it, not because it was a good program or structure. And with each of these filters, we ask, we give a key question. That's an evaluation question for our team. And here's the question for this this filter of being God-initiated. Is there a sense that this is God's clear direction? Yeah. And I want from us at the, at the senior leadership level all the way down to the support level, I want our entire team to answer a resounding yes if we're going to give energy to objectives, finances, calendar, I want, I want that to be true. And that's, that's really the heartbeat of the first filter. And I think for a lot of people, it, they, they would not say, not, as in places I've served in the past and other things that I've seen, it's not about is this, is this God's clear direction. Is it, it's about is this what we've done in the past or is this what's worked in the past or is this what the majority of people want us to do or is this meeting a felt need when at the end of the day, man, we got to hear the voice of God. Faith comes by hearing. We've got to hear what he says. And I so appreciate this filter as a part of the process. So the second filter that we want to be true of every ministry plan in the life of our church has to do with alignment. We spoke just a moment ago about our vision frame, our mission our values, our strategy, and our measures. So at our church, as you look across the ministries here, we have one mission statement, connecting people to live the life of a Jesus follower. Um, (laughs) I want you to hear what he just said. We have one mission statement. We don't have a mission statement that's our churches and then one that's for our students and one that's for children and one that's for men and one that's for women. We have one mission statement as a church. 
that that governs us as a fellowship, that drives us, and everything about this part of the filter is being in alignment with that mission. Yeah, and we have one bullseye. Our mission is realized when people are abiding in Christ, connecting in community, and sharing in the mission. And that's true of every area. And I'll just say this. This is one of those that you constantly have to fight. Yeah. Because there are always new ideas. There are always good ideas. There are always people wanting to start things because their identity is wrapped up in it. But at the end of the day, when you really look hard, it does not align with our mission. And Travis, wouldn't you say in the seat that you and I sit in in senior leadership— that one of the most demanding parts of our job is having to say no to continue to fight for this alignment and clarity. Yeah, and what I find as we have those hard conversations is when somebody really does desire to contribute to your end game or to your mission, if you can lead them to see that, those conversations go a lot better. Yeah. Because most of the time, people have good hearts in it, and they really do want to see God's kingdom expanded, but we have to continually fight this tension of bringing them back to this is what matters here, yep. and this is the clear strategy we believe that God has given us. Yep. So this alignment thing is so massive when you talk about ministry plans that are going to affect thousands of people you know, here at Hope Church over the course of a year. This is a huge part of our interview process. As we add people to our team, this issue of alignment is major. We, You and I major on this in interviewing people because if you can't get them to buy into alignment in the interview process, you're going to be chasing them continuously once they're on the team. So it, this this thing of alignment is huge. Travis, what's the third filter? So we've got just to review so far, God initiated. Secondly, alignment. Number three is stewardship. And this really has to do with our financial plan. Um, God has entrusted us with a set of resources. And so as we navigate through these conversations, we want to be sensitive to that in terms of what God has has provided for us and entrusted to us as a church. I told you for each of these, there's a question. Here's the question for stewardship. Can this take place within our current financial plan as a church? Churches walk through seasons, and over the course of those seasons, the needs financially change. But as we plan and do calendar and talk about budget, we want to have a sensitivity to, Lord, this is what you've entrusted to us, and we want to ensure that we're not getting ahead of where the Lord's leading us, and we're not behind it, but we're walking in step with him, even when it comes to the financial picture of where we are as a church. And then the fourth and final is one that I think is so critical, and one of the reasons why we have a, a, um, a lot of longevity on our team here at Hope. We have a lot of people on our team that have been here for many, many, many years. And I think the fourth filter is one of those reasons why. Travis, give us the fourth one. So number four is life balance. We are all obviously super passionate about our mission, but um, we can't be so passionate about the mission that we kill ourselves. And we want to keep that out in front of our team. We do want, don't want our team here seven nights a week working on campus trying to further the mission. So we've tried to create a rhythm here that is sustainable. And so here's the question we ask our team as they think about their ministry plan. Is this sustainable on a personal, family, and then ministry level? Like, is this possible? So if we're sitting in a presentation and somebody says, yeah, so what I'm wanting to do is going to require me to be at church 30 nights a month then we're not doing it because yeah. that's a filter, this life balance filter that we want to be true across the board because we tell our team, we want you to think about longevity in terms of years and decades, not just weeks and months. 
And what can happen is people get in these seasons and they say, well, it's just a busy season. Well, you blink and all of a sudden what was a busy season is now your normal standard of living and it's not sustainable. So we really believe this life balance filter is critical and we want to know that everything we do when it comes to our ministry leaders is sustainable on the personal level, the family level, as well as the ministry level. So I hope you got a lot out of that. I know you did. If, if, if you probably need to listen to this podcast again, because we just really unpacked a lot of stuff. So maybe you need to grab your team, um, grab the people you do life with or ministry with and sit down and listen to this. Specifically that in that fourfold filter is so, so crucial. I'll leave you as we end here with a solid quote that, that Travis mentioned. Good people using bad systems will never produce good results. Average people using good systems can produce great results. So we hope this has been helpful for you. We will catch you next month as we just continue to talk about life and leadership and wherever God has you leading. And thank you so much for listening to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Thanks again for joining us for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. You can find all the show notes on your favorite podcasting app or at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. We will be releasing a new episode on the first Monday of every month to help you and your teams lead like never before.